Welcome to If Life Were Perfect. I'm Josh Meyer, and with me always is my wife, Laura. Hey, guys. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about blending beliefs. And this is something that comes up in many contexts where we have different beliefs from either our spouse, our family, our colleagues. It's just coming up in different segments where we're just not on the same page. And it's something, though, where we still want to love each other. We want to respect each other. We want to be in each other's lives. We want to build each other up. And we don't want these differences of, uh, in beliefs to tear us apart. And so what we're going to be talking about today is ways that we've been able to come together, even though we have different beliefs, but still be able to identify personally with ourselves. So when Josh and I met, we had different faith practices. I identified as a Presbyterian. I was really involved with my church there. And Josh is and was at the time Catholic. Yeah, I was a cradle Catholic. So, I mean, that was what I was raised. That's what I was grew up with. Everybody in my family was. That was something that I, you know was very much part of my identity. Yeah. Went to Catholic school, roots for Notre Dame, like Catholic to the core. Go Irish. So um, this was something that we were worried was actually going to be very divisive in our marriage, because at the time we were approaching it initially as kind of digging our heels in where it was like, well, I'm not becoming Catholic. And you were like, I'm not becoming Protestant. And we really like were experiencing a lot of conflict. These were very, you know, very important parts of our lives. Religion and politics, those are two of the most divisive subjects out there. And this was something where we just weren't getting on the same page together. So it was really important to Josh to get married in the Catholic Church. And that was something candidly at the time that seemed very foreign to me, where I thought I'm going to feel like an outsider at my own wedding and I knew, though, that it was very important to Josh and part of his tradition. So it was something that I was willing to look at and consider because I did love him a lot. And so as part of that, the Catholic Church required us to go to this weekend retreat where you would talk about everything from how you want to raise your kids to how you will budget to how you'll practice your faith. All sorts of things that probably all of us should talk about before we decide to marry someone. But it became evident at the retreat as we were talking through some of these issues we had kind of swept under the rug and didn't want to deal with, right? Because we're in love and we just want to get married. But as we talked about it, it became pretty clear that we were not on the same page and neither one of us was really willing to fully compromise and we were at an impasse. And I remember at a breakfast, the lady who was helping put on their treat, she came over to us because she knew we were kind of dealing with this situation. And she was very sympathetic to me because apparently when she got married, she wasn't Catholic either. And I remember her saying to me, you know, your faith backgrounds and practices are so important to both of you. And that will actually bring a great richness of faith to your children's lives. And what a blessing. And I thought, Wow, that is a very positive spin on what we're thinking as a problem. That's a very optimistic way to look at it. And maybe that's how we should be looking at it. And maybe we've had this all wrong. Yeah. And so what we want to share with you today is how are we able to kind of find that common ground, find that unity, find, you know, kind of a, a common belief system where it was able to help each other kind of grow have each other grow personally and certainly grow within our family. Yeah. And, and for both of us to not feel like we were having to compromise our core of who we were. We were able to find a common belief system that helped both of us grow. We're going to be focusing kind of on our faith differences, but it really can apply in kind of any different setting and like stuff. Politics. But politics, you know, <laughs> health, social issues, just anything where you have differences in beliefs. You know, these are some just principles and practices that you can use to really be able to 
get get past kind of those differences and see where you can come together, build each other up, but still remain, you know, who you are as a person. So the first thing that we had to really look at ourselves when it came to our faith journey is why is my belief system important to me? And am I actually practicing it? This was something that was really important to me because, you know, I had been raised Catholic. And so this is something I identified as. But there was certainly times throughout my life where that had been tested, where I really wasn't practicing, you know, in the way that I would want it, where I would go and watch football on Sunday or sleep in as opposed to going to church. And so it was really important to me to reflect and say, okay, look, if I'm going to be holding firm on this, and this is something where I'm going to say to Lord, this is something that's really important. I don't want to change and become Protestant. I want to still be Catholic then I really needed to be practicing that myself. Yeah, and it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, right? But, um, you know, by actually following up our beliefs with our actions, I think that is a starting point in any journey when you're asking other people to respect what you do or even consider doing what you're doing is to practice it yourself. And, you know, one of the benefits, actually, I feel that having those different belief systems in a way when it comes to, you know, practicing it yourself is when people are different than you, it does cause you to think about how important something is to you. And that's a good thing. No, I mean, it's not a bad thing to be tested because, you know, kind of one of two things happen. You either look at it and evaluate it and say, you know what, I'm being tested and it's something that, you know, I don't really believe in that. And so it's okay to change your ways or it reaffirms what your belief is because you, you get tested and you say, you know what, I still do firmly believe um, in what I thought. Yeah. So I think that's always good um, in any context. If someone has a different viewpoint than you, that's not bad. That's good for your own personal growth. And it's not as a like, look at me, I'm better, anything like that. But it, it does cause you to pause and think. And I think that really just ties into the next point, which is, you know, you really have to have respect for each other. You never want to tear somebody down. That doesn't bring them any closer to you or any closer to your opinion. It doesn't make your opinion any better. You really have to have respect for the other person, because if you don't have that, then you truly aren't going to be able to have a relationship. Yeah. And I mean, candidly, that's something that we fell into in the beginning initially was instead of saying like, oh, this is neat. Let me, you know, let me come into your world a little bit. Or why do you do that? It was what you're doing is different than me and I don't like it. And my way is better. And it it can very quickly slip into a teardown of pointing out all the negatives about somebody's belief system and just a lack of respect and really tearing somebody down. That's not going to make them. You're not going to be able to help them flip and then build them up the way you want. That's just not how it works. And so nothing good comes when we have a lack of respect for somebody else's belief system. We didn't really try to change each other. And I think that was one of the biggest things where for each other, we were able to realize, OK, look, this is part of who we are. This is how we identify. You know, our faith is something that's very important to us. And so rather than saying, okay, we need to change that or that's bad or that's wrong or mine's better, we went to the focus of looking at, okay, look, I love this person. This is somebody who I want to be with. This is somebody who I respect. This is somebody I care about. And so if this is a belief that is really important to them, then I need to let them embrace that. I need to help build them up. I need to help them on that path and that journey and not try to change them. That's what we focused on. I love that because I just think of, you know, I'm just even thinking of a coworker And I know that we're a little bit different in terms of religious beliefs politically. And I really love this person and I really admire and respect this person, which makes me find out why this person sees the world the way they do. I do think that the root of that is respect of even if someone is doing something differently than you, 
there's a reason why you love that person. And if you really love someone, you're not always going to be trying to impose your ways on them and change them. I think it's an appreciation of who they are. And it's out of love that you do want to show that respect and try and understand why they're the way they are and where they're coming from. When you get down to that, too, I mean, I think that really ties into the next point of where you can really try to find a common ground. Because, you know, if you have that love, that admiration, that respect for each other and you want to be and hang around each other, there's probably a reason behind that. It's probably because you have so much in common. And, you know, the few things that are different, if you want to focus on those, that's going to tear you apart. So instead, you know, one of the things that we were able to do is try to figure out, okay, what are all the things that we have in common? And let's focus on that. Yeah, I remember in college, I was talking to someone, she was engaged to get married. She was Muslim. And she said that her fiance was Christian. And I asked her, like, how's how's that going to work, you know, for you guys? I was just curious. And she said, you know, the way that we've kind of reconciled those differences is for us, we have found that we both love God. And even though we might have a different interpretation of God or whatever that is, at the end of the day, that's who they were both seeking and that they both loved and they would teach their kids that as well. And so she really found the commonality in their different faiths and built on that. So the next thing after you can kind of find what you and somebody have in common, even if you do have differing beliefs, is to try and come into each other's world. And that can sometimes seem like a big step. But really, if you're at a place of mutual respect and finding the commonality, you don't have to be afraid to take a step into somebody else's world. By taking this step, you're not saying I'm giving up who I am. I'm automatically changing. You know, it's not that level of commitment. It's more of just saying, you know what, look, I love and respect you. And so I want to understand you better. I want to be able to understand your world so then I can love and respect you more. For us, some of those little turning points where I noticed and we started to come into each other's world was I always loved listening to Joel Osteen. I don't know if you guys know him, but I hate to say TV preacher because it has like a negative context, but he does have a mega church out of Texas and I have been watching him and his wife, Victoria, since like the late 90s, back when he had his iconic mullet, right? But, you know, they're a couple that always encouraged me um, through the television or their books when I was having hard times. And I would continue listening to them a lot in our early years of marriage. And it was something where you were kind of like, I don't want to say hostile to that, but kind of afraid of that. Oh, no, I was definitely very re resistant. It was very different than what I was used to. You know, I was used to going to Catholic church and having a priest and giving a homily, but there's very different aspects of it. And, you know, a lot of the focus was just different in what Joel's message was. But I was so resistant, even though it was a wonderful, great message. It was just something where I was afraid that if I enjoyed it or listened to it, then I would no longer be Catholic or I would no longer have the identity that I had. And it was just such a narrow focused perspective that wasn't good. Well, yeah, because that's something that you ultimately you ended up listening to them with me to the Osteens and fact, like we just recently took our kids to their night of hope when they came to town. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have wonderful, great messages. And it's something where I am so glad that, you know, you encouraged me to come into your world and be able to share and experience that because it's something where it has brought a whole other approach and perspective to things. And just there's so much good and, and wonderful things that I've learned from it that I wouldn't have otherwise if I would have just clung to kind of that resistant belief structure. Yeah. And when we come into each other's world, like ultimately, we're just adding to our own faith. It doesn't mean you're taking away. And likewise, you know, you listen to Joel with me, but I ended up going to Catholic mass with you. 
that didn't change me as a person necessarily or what I believed in, but it was something that was important to you and something that we did together. And I was able to experience things more from your point of view as well. And that's always a good thing. You guys, whether it's religion or politics or your health choices, whatever belief systems influencing you, when you stop and actually experience what's special to someone with them, it doesn't mean you're going to end up like them or anything like that. And you might even think my way is better, but it helps you understand other people. And that is always a good thing when you can sit in different seats in the stand and try and understand things from a different point of view. You know, one of the best examples of where you did a great job with this was with our oldest son during the last presidential debate. I mean, talk about different sides of the coin, right? I mean, the people in our country couldn't have been more kind of polar opposites or divisive or, you know, you know, separate and stuff. But you did a great job where you said, you know what, I want to expose you to both. So you went to each rally, you know, you went to the Democratic rallies, you went to the Republican rallies. Oh, man. So he could I see have both so sides. many stories from oh, yeah, That's a whole episode in <laughs> itself. But you kind of really forced Conrad to go into both worlds to really just get a perspective and an understanding of where everybody was coming from. And that was such a positive thing. And um, to give credit to our country and just the people in it at both of the rallies on totally different sides, everyone's response to Conrad when he said, well, today we're here and tomorrow we're going to the opponent's rally. Everybody said, that is so cool. That's what our country is all about, that you're experiencing multiple point of views. And they found that inspiring. And I thought it was great that he was willing to do that. And I got all, I won't say how I came out politically, but um, I really felt a better understanding of where human beings in our country were coming from at those different rallies. And that really helped me understand my fellow man much better. When you have your own good, strong personal beliefs, you have respect for each other. We have this common ground and you're willing to open up and go into each other's world. Ultimately, kind of the place we were able to come to is really we could have unity. It is different, you guys, for everybody. And I'm not saying that this ends up the way it is for everyone. But in our case, ultimately, I ended up deciding that I wanted to be the same religion as Josh. And so I actually officially converted to Catholicism. And there's a you know a whole backstory there, and it's personal that I'm not going to get into in the podcast. But I decided that it was ultimately most important to me that our family just all kind of bloom in one place together. And that was kind of the path where I felt we were meant to be together. And I still remember when I called up our family priest, I said, you know, my last three kids haven't been baptized yet. And I used constantly being pregnant as an excuse for the delay. Um, But I said, when they get baptized, I'd actually like to officially um, convert myself. And he said, wow, Josh must be so excited. And I said, you know, I haven't told him yet. I said, Josh has never asked me to become Catholic. So this will be this will come as a great surprise. And Father Mike said, well, you better tell him to sit down because I'm sure he's going to be very happy. And it was happy. That was something for us. That was a great thing for our family. And, you know, when I say unity and me becoming Catholic, it didn't mean I ditched everything about me in terms of how I wanted to practice my faith or what my beliefs necessarily were. In fact, it was the opposite. I kind of brought all of that with me to the table and found that common ground with Josh where we could embrace each other's 
views and kind of grow together in one spot, which is a good thing. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, kind of what unity is about. It's like, you know, bringing all of these things together and doesn't mean you have to be under one structure or, you know, say, okay, I'm, we're all Republican or we're all Catholic or we're all (laughs) vegan or whatever it is. Like you don't, it doesn't have to be that. That's not necessarily what unity is. It's more of kind of having that common respect, that mutual understanding, that ability to be able to want to build each other up, to grow together. And in our case, you know, to bring our family together. And that was really what was important to us. That's what the unity was. It was where it was that we weren't tearing each other down. We weren't trying to change each other. The unity was that we were coming together with a common purpose. And really, ultimately, you know, for faith, that was, you know, following God. It was bringing our family together. That was the unity that we had together. I want to share one thing as we wrap up on this topic. I had been invited to go to a religious event and it was with Turkish women practicing their faith. And it was during the period of Ramadan and you break bread together um, after the sun goes down as one of the components of Ramadan, which I learned when I went. And they had invited women from different faith communities, including my mom, who invited me to go with her to celebrate this special event. And I thought, of course, like, this is great. When we went there, there was a professor who spoke. um, She's a religious professor. And she was talking about how important it is for people to find unity, to stand for what you believe in, but not to become an extremist and understand that there's different ways. And she summarized her points at the end of her speech by describing a beautiful garden. And what she said is what makes a garden so beautiful is all the different flowers in there collectively together. And I think that was just a great way to summarize celebrating the fact that people do have different beliefs and not everyone is meant to be exactly the same. We all bring something unique to the table and that's what makes it better. And that visual was so incredible because when you think about it, all of our different viewpoints, everything about it collectively, when we're doing it the right way and with good intentions and not wanting to tear each other down, we can become right, the beautiful garden together. And that should be the goal in the end. Oh, 100%. When we bloom personally, you know, we really collectively help each other, you know, grow and look beautiful. And don't forget, even the weeds are good for the soil. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Everybody has their place yes. and stuff. So we want to include include all. All right. So for today's quick step, you don't need to panic. We're not going to tell you you need to convert to a religion or, um, bec- you know, start doing keto on Monday. Um, but for today's quick step, we want you to think about you and your your partner or if you're single, maybe it's a dear friend to think about something where you have a different belief system when it comes to that issue, whatever it is, whether it's religion or politics or health choices, those are just some examples. But identify what that is and then write down three things that you and the other person have in common. Those are the three things that you want to spend your time and energy with when it comes to that person. The commonality. We've all spent plenty of time debating differences, but in the end, what's good for all of us is if we can come together and find that commonality. So we hope this exercise will be helpful and healing for you in your relationships to get you to where you want to be and closer with that other person. All right. Up next, we have our mailbag segment where we answer your questions. If you have a question or problem and you'd like our advice, please email us at meyer at ifliferweperfect.com and we'll let you know what we think and maybe even use your question on the show. That email address is M-E-I-E-R 
at iflifewereperfect.com. Our first question is from Gemma. She says, hi, guys. My name is Gemma. I'm a computer programmer who, until about a month ago, had a full-time job with benefits at a great company. Unfortunately, that company went bankrupt and virtually everyone outside of upper management was laid off without severance. I've been able to pick up enough freelance work to keep me going for now, so I'm not in dire straits financially, but I uprooted my entire life to take what I thought was a dream job. I moved to a new city, ended a long-term relationship, gave up a fantastic apartment, and now I'm sort of stuck not knowing where to go. I originally thought that I was making the smart choice going with an established company over a freelance career, but now I feel duped. And I'm not sure simply looking for another job is the best move when I could spend that time getting more freelance work. How should I weigh these two very different options? Thanks for your advice. Poor Gemma. Yeah, what a tough situation. Oh my gosh. This really is where the, the If Life Were Perfect list really comes into play. Because it's something now you've kind of experienced both ends. You've worked at kind of a, had the office job, you've had the freelance job. And so now you really need to sit down and say, okay, what is it that you really want from a career standpoint? What do you want from a finance standpoint? What do you want from a family standpoint? You know, kind of the lifestyle standpoint and write all of that down. And then once you have kind of that list, then you can really evaluate which path is going to be better for you. Is it going back and finding another job at a, at a larger company or is the freelance route or, or self-employed route going to be better for you kind of meeting your goals? And there is no right or wrong on that. It's really, though, just sitting down and evaluating based on you, your personality and your goals, what's going to work best. And I love that advice, Josh, because it's very proactive. I think in this situation, I mean, my natural reaction would probably be to hey, I just want to be freelance because I never want to get burned again by a company, right? And I think a lot of us, if we've gone through getting laid off or a breakup, whatever it is, we tend to be a little bit more reactionary in our next choice. And that's usually not the best um, way to approach things. And so by doing the If Life or Perfect list, it will help Gemma get out of that situation a little bit better and have more of an aerial view of what she really does want. Okay, our next question is from Jordan and it's very quick. It says, hi guys, just curious, what is it like working with your spouse? That depends on the day. (laughs) I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. It depends on the day. Actually, people ask us this a lot, what it is like working together. Um, And usually it's followed by them saying, I could never work with my spouse. And I'm thinking, really, you could never work with your spouse, but you're married to them? Um, Of course you could. I think working with you, um, Josh, has its obviously its pros and cons. But one of the really cool things that comes from it is that we avoid a lot of fights that maybe people have when they have ownership of a company with somebody else, Um, mainly because All of our money is going to the same little four money sucks. That's what we call our kids. Um, And so we don't have to argue over who brought in what and just things that typical lawyers might argue over. It's all kind of going to the same place. And I think the other thing is it's been a lot better working together once we established totally separate roles or at least determining who was taking the lead on stuff. Because otherwise you start to feel very micromanaged um, and things like that. And so that is nice having like clearly defined roles at the law firm and being able to respect 
the other person if they're the one taking the lead. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like, you know, working with anybody else, you really have to just kind of define what your roles and kind of what you're doing are. So you're not stepping on each other's toes. I think the other thing is it's been neat to be able to work with each other because we get to see each other. And at the same time, I think one of the other things we've had to really do is to kind of separate out work from home when we're doing things. So you kind of are forced to stop fighting, if you will, if there's something going at the house because you had an argument over whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can you can no longer go like a whole week being mad at each other because five minutes later you need each other's help on something. So it's actually good, especially yeah. from my end, because, you know, it gets me out of trouble quicker. Yeah, that's for sure. So anyway, I would say that working with my spouse has been really, really great. Me too. Yeah, it's been awesome. Next week on If Life Were Perfect, we're going to be discussing day dates. This is something that Laura and I have done, and it has really, you know, just brought us together and has been a great benefit in our life. And we want to share with you how you can incorporate this into your relationships and how wonderful it can be. That's next time on If Life Were Perfect. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, guys.